This podcast is sponsored by AAA, the American Automobile Association. AAA members get discounts on tickets, resort accommodations, and more at Walt Disney World and other Orlando attractions. If you book a qualifying Walt Disney World Resort vacation package at select AAA offices, you'll receive a free subscription to touringplans.com, as well as dedicated trip planning resources just for AAA clients. Go to AAA.com or ask your local AAA travel agent for more details on this offer. Hi, this is Len Testa, and this is another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. Today I'm uh, continuing a tour of the Magic Kingdom with Sam Genoway, author of the new book, Walt and the Pro- Promise of Progress City. How's it going, Sam? Oh, I am doing marvelous. How are you doing, Len? I'm doing v- very well, a little warm. I'm, uh, it, it's actually it's kind of interesting because we're, uh, we're over here in Adventureland, transitioning into Frontierland. Um, and we noticed that uh, Tortuga Tavern is open, and I can smell the burritos from here. Yes, yeah, it does smell good. Yes, and I, and now <laughs> I, I guess we've got to keep walking now, don't we? And I remember that I didn't uh, didn't eat lunch, so this will be a two minute podcast. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. The sacrifices we make. All right, so uh, so we're we're literally in the in the tunnel uh, that is the transition between Adventureland and Frontierland. Right. Why don't you tell us what's uh, what's going on here, Sam? So if you're in Adventureland, the architectural language that's used for the buildings basically within um, the, the plaza area in front of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like a Spanish colonial style with the round tiled roofs and all that kind of stuff. We're coming through this tunnel. They use the same architectural language when we're going into Frontierland. And the language of Spanish colonial was also quite big in the desert southwest of the United States. So that's what we're about to transition to next. We're about to leave the jungle. And, you know, if we could only leave the humidity behind and get to the desert humidity as a Californian, I'd be a really happy camper. But that's not going to happen, is it? I'm waiting for for Disney to put the dome over this whole thing and (laughs) and, and air condition it. I I think if Vegas does it first, (laughs) Disney will get the message. So uh, so we're going to leave the shade here, and we're going to go through our passage to Frontierland. So again, the uh, we've still got we've still got red concrete roof. We've right. still got that uh, ribbon of uh, gray four by four tiles. So, so what I would aim you towards is look at the plant material. That's where you're going to figure out the transition. This is a case of where they use the landscaping to make the difference. So, so in this particular area that we're in, we're actually past the sign that says passage. Are we in Adventureland or are we in Frontierland right now? I would say that right now we're in Adventureland still. So even this- past even past the sign. You, th- you say we're still in Adventureland. No, I, I can prove that we're in Adventureland because you've got the transition. Remember in Across Dissolve in a film, right. there's a little bit of the film from one segment right. on top of the other film. Right. So it's okay in a couple of ways to sort of layer these. But let me show you specifically the exact spot where we, we, we transition. Okay, so uh, so we're coming up on the, uh, the Golden Oak outpost here. And Sam is pointing down at the ground. Oh, this is interesting. What, what's going on here, Sam? So if you look down, those little tiles that we're talking about, the sewer tiles, they end in a very specific spot. Now, look over to where the stairs are between um, uh, Picos Bills and Adventureland. And you're going to notice you've got kind of exotic plants, palms, that sort of bushes. Right. And so on, a- so, on the, so we're, we're looking at the building right before the entrance to the side entrance to, to Picos Bills. It's a little two-door, uh, you know, Mission Colonial-style building. On the left-hand side are lots of green palm trees, ferns, ferns, and whatnot. And on the left-hand side is succulents, ca- ca- cactus. Yeah, cactus to the rest of us. Okay, yeah. all right. Not, <laughs> okay. That's it. So this is it. This is the on palm trees on one side are Adventureland. Yeah. And then the other side, we're on Frontierland. You can one? see you can see that there's a, a seam in the concrete. You can see that the seam goes very clear. That the light post and stuff uh, make a difference. So it's it's once again, it's like a cross dissolve. There's a little bit of one land, a little bit of a lot, another, but it's just subtle enough. And then when all else fails, look at the trash cans. So <laughs> oh, that's right. So the trash cans, uh, the trash cans actually by Golden Oak now change from the yellow and uh, light brown 
to the completely dark brown uh, trash cans of, of Frontierland. Okay. So Sam is actually recording this in Frontierland. I am like six inches <laughs> away true, from him. I'm in Adventureland. It's like we're East and West Berlin right oh, here. Oh, yes, is... that's true. <laughs> this is great. Good. All right, so let's continue on. Golden Oak Outpost, Outpost uh, only has two customers right now. So if any of you guys are listening to this and you want some fries, uh, get in line now. Pecos <laughs> Bills, on the other hand, is hopping. Look at that. I guess yeah. people want the air conditioning. It is about 93 here today. So if, uh, so if anybody's downloading this in December, uh, we're getting suns- sunstroke and, uh, and a really nice tan on your behalf. That's right. And uh, once again, as a Californian, the humidity is like a special effect in its own right. But, hey, aren't we in the southwest desert at the moment? We are in the southwest desert, Sam. And what's with the humidity? You know, we should keep walking towards Splash Mountain so we can get back into the south where the humidity is actually thematically correct. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so uh, Sam, there's a, from what I understand, you, you said this in, uh, on a WDW Today podcast one time, but there's actually a story or a theme to how the, the buildings are arranged in, uh, in Frontierland. And, and it's really cool. It's both not only Frontierland, but Liberty Square. As I mentioned in an earlier podcast, the idea behind walking through the Magic Kingdom is that you're walking through both time and space. So right now we're going to head towards the end of the period of Frontierland. It's about the 1880s. It's the end of the wilderness. The country has been connected with transcontinental trains. The miners who are in Big Thunder Mountain Railroad have sort of upset the native Indian gods, and the native Indian gods are taking uh, hell on on your train there. And it's in 1880. If you got on the train at the train station right. and you went all the way around to the Main Street station, you would be in 1890. You would be able to ten continue years. the time trip. Ten years and ten minutes. That's right. That's fantastic. So what is so so? Big Thunder then represents 18, uh, 1880. 1880 or so. It's kind of the closing of the frontier. We now have a train that connects both of the coast. And that's the end of this time story. As we continue along through Frontierland, right. there's kind of an interruption. And the interruption is Splash Mountain. For all practical purposes, Splash Mountain's in the wrong place. This was going to be a ride, the Western River Expedition, which uh, I'm sure you'll probably get to on a future podcast with Jim Hill. Where you see Big Thunder Mountain Railroad right. and you see Splash Mountain, the original plan for the Magic Kingdom was one giant show building that was the size of both of these attractions. Wow, that's a lot of area. It was going to be a huge building that would have looked like a Western Mesa. It was so big, it was going to hide a show that was uh, Mark Davis's sort of Pirates of the Caribbean 2.0. And to because the building was going to be so massive, there were going to be trails Right. on the top of it uh, that you could walk on and they were going to put a runaway mine train on the top of it to sort of camouflage it. Wow. Unfortunately, because they installed Pirates of the Caribbean here, they never went forward with the project. But the idea of the runaway mine train was such a successful idea, they installed it and they've had it and it's in every park right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's in uh, Paris as well. I don't yeah. know if it's in the Asian parks. I just, I just don't remember right now. So so Splash is... So if Big Thunder is sort of the end of the wilderness. Splash is... Antebellum South, right? Right, it's so it's like more like 1860 uh, or just after the Civil War, and it's in the South, yeah, and it's, it's kind of... It's geog- before the Civil War. Yeah, it's, it's kind of geographically in the wrong place. It's geographically in the wrong place, and it's time-wise in the wrong place. But it does have one real positive, I believe. It, when you're walking down the corridor of Frontierland, it works as the weenie, the, where the drop is. That's right. It's a view termini. You see it. You see the people coming down the flume. You hear the screaming. You see the splash of the water cannons. So just like the other weenies, it's the beckoning hand, and it pulls you forward. So the uh, the idea that um, that there's a story and a, and a, a time transition in Frontierland, does that mean that you were designed, that you were supposed to walk from Fantasyland to Frontierland? 
Yeah, you should always start in almost every adventure at any of the Disney Castle parks. The adventure always starts from the hub. That's always point A. So realistically, to do the whole time travel thing correctly here, you would come in. And remember, this is part of the Frontierland's not attached to the hub. You have to go through Liberty Square to right. get there. So Liberty Square starts, and that'll be another uh, episode. So, you go, through, okay, so you go through Liberty Square first. That takes you through time. And then you transition over to Frontierland. That takes you through time until we enter the cul-de-sac with the two big e-tick attractions over here. Right, so let's walk, uh, let's walk backwards in time as we go through right. uh, Frontierland here. So we're, uh, we're walking back up the hill. Past the uh, um, the hill that represents the, uh, the sort of the big splashdown for for Splash Mountain. Do you guys know where you see the uh, the ride vehicles go under the water and then come out the other side? We're walking over that building right now. Well, let me show you something over here. When they first built this thing, it became such a log jam. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, log jam. Uh. <laughs> I thought of that one. Uh, and they built this boardwalk. And the boardwalk wasn't original when the ride opened. It's because there was just so much going on. There were so many people stopped watching people going down the flume. So they added that. What's really fun, though, is it allows you to sort of share the joy with the riders because you get a great view of them coming through, getting all splashed, yeah. laughing and crying and doing whatever they have to do. And it's another hallmark of Disney design. Think about it. Every attraction you go on, you get a chance to preview the ride vehicle before you enter the ride vehicle. Oh, good idea. It gives you a chance to sort of say, oh, it's a log, it has whatever number of rows, two seats, I've got to get in there, I might get this sort of wet. You get a little preview of the ride vehicle first, that helps to expedite the people onto the ride. The and, loading. And that's something that's in almost, geez, I think it's in every single Disney ride that you get some sort of a some sort of a pick. You get to actually see what's going on first. So yeah, so it's uh, it's true for Big Thunder. Um, you get a little bit of it when the loading queue for Haunted Mansion. You definitely get it in Small World because that's the loading area goes along. That's, that's really nice. Now, that nice. is something that you're not going to see in the desert southwest. In my neck of the woods, you're not going to see very many cranes standing <laughs> on a balcony. But you know what? He's standing right next to two small bird cages. So I don't know what that means. It's completely appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got we're walking down the we're walking down the red concrete side of Frontierland right now. Not the uh, not the the wooden walkway, but the the thing that I like about Frontierland too is it, it, you can see because uh, we're a little bit elevated right now. Uh -huh. There's just a ton of people in Frontierland, and uh, obviously farther on into Liberty Square. But they're making use of essentially four four lanes of, of traffic here, right? Yes, and that's that's the that's another pattern from a pattern language that Christopher Alexander has. What's called parallel roads. That when you put parallel roads, so you've got four different experiences. You can walk on, which I'm going to try to push us towards, because <laughs> um, it's shaded the shaded boardwalk. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna walk on the wooden boardwalk All here right, for a so, little bit. So over by Prairie Outpost and Supply. Right, right, and you know it's required that when you're walking along the boardwalk, you kind of have to walk with your legs out, like so you've been riding a horse, right? To get we're, the horse ambling. Right, so we're ambling along on the boardwalk. So if we stop here, you've got the boardwalk, right. which is sort of mildly being used, which is kind of weird when you think about it, because yeah. it's actually a very comfortable walk. There is the sort of the main street of Frontierland, which is where most people are. There's a third lane, which I would call Cartland, where you've got all the different food carts that sort of activate that side of the main street. Right. Beyond that is the boardwalk, which is really one of my favorite parts of the Magic Kingdom. I love walking on the boardwalk because you're over the water, the right. water's tranquil, and you can go out and you can look at Tom Sawyer Island and beyond. And just like Adventureland, where there's a sort of an urban side and a rural side, when you you look out from Frontierland towards Tom Sawyer Island, it looks like the infinite wilderness, that it goes on forever and ever and ever. So it's the same kind of effect on the other corridor, on the other side of these same buildings. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's true. When you're uh, when you're on that side of the, the walkway, on the wooden walkway, you sort of see Harper's Mill. Right. And you kind of see 
some evidence of human activity on the island, but you're not exactly sure what it is. Right, that's right. And then, and then of course, it's populated occasionally by people that are walking on the island. And once again, look at the second floor balconies of Frontierland, and you're going to see that there's a lot of activity taking place. There's usually chairs or seats up there where, once again, people might have been, but they're not there right at the moment when you peer up. You just missed them. So when we're right, right now we're kind of in front of Country Bear Jamboree, which is supposed to look like a Colorado mining camp kind of wood structure. What I really like is that when you go in there, look down at the floor, because it is, of course, Country Bear Hall, and you're going to notice little... Bear tracks? Yeah, you're going to see little bear tracks. That's that, beautiful. Uh, because after all, their and, claws... And the, scr- and the wood is scratched on the... Uh, the wood is scratched uh, by bear claws. That's amazing. That's right. So, you know, this is their hall, and you're going to be doing it. So if you have long toenails, this is really the, uh, the attraction to come to. <laughs> That's great. All right, so we're going to continue on past uh, Country Bear. We've got Frontierland Mercantile. And if you want to play the time story, one of the best ways to do it is many of the buildings in Frontierland are dated, and they'll give you an idea. So Grizzly Hall is 1898. You start to see... Oh, it says, it says 1898 at the very top. 1876, and so you start to see kind of where the buildings had come from. Oh, got it. So not only, not only does it give you from its, from its architectural style where it's supposed to be from, but also from the time. That's right. So time and place. That's fantastic. And the Frontierland Trading Post, which advertises furs. I, I, I really couldn't use a fur right now. And also traps. I guess that's where you get the fur from. Huh, amazing. Yellow. Does it have, a, does it have an address? Um, you know, the buildings on Main Street have addresses, but the ones here don't. Because the ones here are sort of, just like a, just like Adventureland, they're sort of movie exotica impressions. Ah, uh, got it, got it. Uh, and collective memories. That they're really trying to get your collective memory. So that's why you feel that you feel comfortable now you got the frontier shooting gallery this is as we're going more and more and more back in time the materials of the buildings start to become even more locally found so you've got stone rock wood you, then you're starting to get, just get timbered logs on the frontier shooting gallery and the right. stagecoach line which well, is really a DVC the west says. didn't really until you got very very far west you didn't have a, a whole lot of timber of that size right it wasn't right. Pra- because it's prairie in the middle that's right uh, got it okay so we're coming up on the getaway stagecoach line which is a great name for the uh for a stagecoach, and you can see an um, you can see a implied you can see an implied stockade. So come right over here. Ah, a stockade. That's what it's every every town needs a stockade. Yeah, every, every you know if you're going to Adventureland, land, you got to have a stockade. That is the hallmark of the entrance of Disneyland. This, this is, is a great little uh, resting area right here. Yeah, oh, they put is. a sorcerer's uh, thing over here. And, and it's another one of those little kind of calm, quiet areas. So you've got right now you've got the stockade. Right. What the stagecoach thing here is the DVC sales is actually the the blockhouse for the the guys who are firing it. And then um, and then in just about a couple of moments we're gonna get it, we're gonna end up. Crossing the Mississippi River. That's right. Yeah, I'll tell you what, what since uh, since since Frontierland and Liberty Square are so uh, closely connected, let's continue this, and we'll do one one episode that covers uh, both of the lands. And you okay. mentioned that, so in in the American uh, West, especially in the uh, in the 19th century. The Mississippi was the Great Divide, right? That's right, yeah. right. And you know you're at the Great Divide because right now we're standing on a little wooden bridge. Well, it's concrete, but it, it appears to be wooden. It's like wood. And the, the wooden wood bridge continues all the way across. There's a little stream, a little meandering stream. This is the mighty Mississippi River. You can see the blockade house, everything that's frontier land, everything that's wood is on the, from where we're aiming, the right-hand side. Oh, this is great. So, uh, so, so the next time you guys are in the park, our listeners are in the park, um, the transition between Liberty Square and Frontierland is a stream that's to the left of the DVC uh, building. And that stream represents the, uh, the Mississippi River. And the, the thing that's over the stream is, is a concrete bridge, but it's, it's uh, textured to look like wood. 
and that represents the Mississippi. And this is a very, very strong, very prevalent kind of contrast between the two. And you know that you're at the edge of the frontier because at the time, the real edge of the frontier was the city of St. Louis. Right. And the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon. Gateway to the West. Yeah, and, and Diamond Horseshoe Saloon was a building of the period about 1840 in St. Louis. And it kind of represents that kind of a dance hall style. Now, I hate to tell you, Len, but you know what? We're standing in another sewer right oh, now. Oh, so that's right. So we've, we've changed from sort of Frontierland's red concrete walkway. We're onto this sort of... Like pebble kind of uh, pebble kind of Yeah, concrete. sort of sand-colored pebbled concrete. And it's, it spreads out in a sort of a T-shape as you get closer to which the think, Mississippi. Which, if you think about, it's pretty disgusting because, you know, remember in colonial days, the sewer was the middle of the street. And so this, this thing kind of meanders throughout. And when you get into more urban areas, it's fairly narrow. But right now, where we're basically at is that all of the sewage would flow directly into the river, and it's as broad as the entire river. So in a sort of a sad way, this is not the most environmentally sustainable place to be in we should probably get out our feet out of the sewer area. Here. <laughs> That's a, the, the thing that I love about Disney parks is, you know, the, 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 they include details like the Mississippi, like the sewer system. In the, they could have just paved the entire thing concrete and said, and said, we're done. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they even, go, they even go so far overboard at times that if you're in Liberty Square, and I think this is a fact that a lot of people know now, there are no bathrooms in Liberty Square. Because? That, because they just didn't have indoor bathrooms at the time period that all this stuff was going on. So if you go to the bathroom at the Liberty Tree or the Columbia, the restrooms are so far to the back, they are technically inside of Main Street. Or the one that's over uh, Columbia is uh, technically inside of Fantasyland. That's great. So uh, that's why there's just no bathroom that's right out here. All right, so we're, uh, we're coming up on the, um, on the Liberty Bell, the replica of, the, of the, the Liberty Bell. Which way do you want to go, Sam? Well, you know, let's go towards the Liberty Tree because that's, a, that's kind of a very uh, important piece of the history of, of this park. The Liberty Tree, they, it was really important to have just a massive oak. So the landscape architect, Bill Evans, right. who became the master at moving trees, found this on property about seven miles away. And at the time of its move, what they did is they, they bored through the tree and they put a metal pin to lift the tree out of the ground and then to transplant it over here. How, how big was this metal pin? Oh, about maybe an inch thick metal pin. Okay, so and, a bar. Yeah, that's okay. so like a All bar. Right. Okay. This tree at the time of its move was the largest tree ever transplanted from one place to another. They got it here, and because of the boring, the tree started to catch a disease, so they found another oak tree, and they grafted the two together. Really? Yeah, so it's really, it really is two trees, but this one was found on property, and it is just Where's beautiful. the, where's the, is, the, is this, well, you know, is this one they, the graft right yeah, here? Yeah, well, that's why they have all this uh, planter on it, because you can't, you can't see it anymore. Oh, you can't. Oh, so they've I got mean, the they've got the shrubs around the tree, so you can't see where it was bored in. And remember, it's oh, is that the uh, is that the graft spot right there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Huh. And, and, and it's been here, and it's been a very healthy tree, and, and it, was a, it was a major undertaking. Bill Evans invented the whole idea of how you do this kind of moving of massive trees. And it, while we're standing here right now, we're in it, the, the way that the Liberty Square is, is the buildings are all kind of clustered in different regions of the 13 colonies. So okay. right now we're in Colonial Williamsburg. That's where um, Kelper, which was uh, one of Walt's relatives, was, where the Christmas shop is. So right now we're in Colonial Williamsburg. So we've been sort of toward the south end of, of of the 13 colonies okay. as we cross over towards the, the 
the Hall of Presidents. Hall of Presidents represents Philadelphia and Philadelphia architecture, and it's kind of a mock-up of the Independence Hall. The little houses that you see, the little Dutch-looking ones as you enter where Sleepy Hollow is, that represents New Amsterdam or the original New York, and it has that sort of Dutch feel to it. And now I'm going to take you to really one of my favorite parts, and this is a secret. You people cannot tell anybody about this. Okay, so uh, everyone who's listening, keep this to yourselves, all right? That's right. That's right. To me, this is one of my favorite parts of all of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, The way I look at spaces, I try to define whether they have a higher degree of life, and if they have a higher degree of life, what they have is this, this thing that I call the quality without a name that makes the hair on your back of the neck stand up and you go, ooh, this is a neat spot. I like it. I, I can't describe exactly why, but I really like it. And where we've just stood on is if you go out the hall of if you go into the Hall of Presidents and you look to the right, or as you're exiting the Hall of Presidents and you go to the right, there is this little porch with three steps two rocking chairs. You're elevated. You've got good views of people coming in and out of Liberty Square. It's relaxing. It's got a nice rocking chair. You're not really, <laughs> we're, we're rocking right now. That's by the way. right. You're not really bugged by anybody. You've got a high view. You feel safe and secure. The seats, seats um, the steps themselves are wide enough that they can act as seats themselves. So you have a larger family. This is probably a great viewing spot for the parade, but you probably have to get here three hours in advance because you know, I think people are going to take it. And I got here earlier, and then they brought a marching band out, and they were performing. And you know, you could sit here and just have yourself a drink and just relax. Yeah, this and, is and beautiful. So it's uh, so it's. To the if you're looking at the entrance of Heritage House, it's immediately to the left. It's a uh, two rocking chairs and a covered, uh, uh, arched uh, arched canopy uh, porch. It's really really nice. I mean, it's it's hot outside, and, and yet right here it's I, we're, I we're completely this. in the shade. Great. It's great. And, and I have to thank my I have to thank my readers for this because uh, I, I, there's a space like this at Disneyland as well that's called the Wizard of Bras Porch. At least that's what I've called it. It's, there's a porch on Main Street. That's next to the Silhouette Shop, where you can get off the hustle and bustle of Main Street. You're sitting elevated. There's little benches that are there. You feel protected, but you have what's called the Zen view of Main Street. We have like a Zen view of Liberty yeah. Square right now. And and I ask my readers, what's the equivalent to the Wizard of Bras Porch, which I get into extensively in the book because it's a way of describing the patterns that describe why this is such a wonderful little spot. And I've got to hand it to them. They're right. I, I love this place. I've been on this trip alone. I've been up here four times. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, unfortunately, we, uh, we have to keep moving. But this is, a, this is a great spot. Let's go back in time, shall Let's we? Let's go back in time. All right. So we're going to continue on our tour of, uh, of Liberty Square. And we're going to go past uh, Hall of Presidents again which is a kind of a reproduction of Independence Hall, sort of. They use an architectural term called shrink and edit. This is another cinematic term. Shrink and edit. Shrink and edit. So you take a historic building or a real building, and you take elements out of the real building that you need to support the story that you have, and you shrink and edit those bits to tell the story. So when you look up, it really does, in a sense, look like Independence Hall, but it's not like an exact reproduction. No, Independence Hall is obviously much larger right. and, 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 and it doesn't even have exactly the same proportions but what it does is it implies right. the same thing that Independence Hall has yeah you definitely got in 1787 sort of gives you the reference because that's when the uh, the constitution was ratified right, right. or uh, written sorry and the riverboat landing where the where the Liberty Bell comes to it's it's kind of an interesting building because the uh, uh, the interesting thing about that since this is a Jim Hill podcast well yeah. is that when the Liberty Bell pulls up think about it a rear powered steam 
ship was not really something that you saw much in the 1780s. Right. <laughs> so what they have done is they have very cleverly hid the ship. So when it's at port, the smokestack lines up exactly with where the tower is. So you can't actually see the ship when it's in port. So it could be uh, it could be any kind of ship apparently. That's right. Because you don't get to see the. Uh the smokestack. Very clever. And, and, and another thing to do is look up in the windows. There's one window where you'll find the two lanterns, you know, the Paul Revere lanterns. Oh, clever. So that's a little thing. I, I'm, I'm sort of sorry I don't see it anymore. They used to have on one of the cast member doors um, the four hands that are crossed that usually represent trade unions. But uh, maybe maybe Disney's becoming anti-union or something, but they've taken that down. I don't know where that went. But now that we've moved beyond Philadelphia, we're continuing to move up north, right. and we're now into Cape Cod. And the buildings represent Cape Cod style houses and, and I'll give you another kind of really crazy little detail you know that's what I love about these parks and why I can keep coming back again and again when you're in the Columbia house and you're eating upstairs in the little land bridge that kind of overlooks yep and you look at the ships that are all facing the direction of the haunted mansion yeah all of those ships were lost at sea <laughs> That's great. So it's to imply that if you're facing that direction, those ships are going away. Something's going on. And then the Haunted Mansion itself is supposed to represent the Hudson Valley. Right. Um, at the time of Disneyland, Walt insisted that, that the Haunted Mansion be pure and clean like everything else. But by this time, he had passed, and John Hench designed this building. And what he tried to do is he tried to create something that looked a bit more ominous, a little more scary, so it was a way of sort of segregating children and getting them to understand what they're about to go through. All right, so how did, they, so how did he do that? So, so if you look at the Haunted Mansion, you can almost imagine it's, it's proportioned way off for the style of the building. And it's supposed to look like a bat with bat wings, and it looks like it's going to eat you. The, if you were to go up the door, it looks more oh, like I got a it. mouse. So the uh, so there's a what's, what's that a gray uh, w- uh, windowed thing right that there? That would be that that would be the atrium, and atrium. this is the case of where uh, that's probably where the guy who's, who's who's going get me out, get me out is. Okay, if, and that's if, the, if the house is. That's the body of the bat. Yeah, and then if you look up at the wind the wind chime up at the top, you see a bat, yeah. <laughs> a little bird up there too, and the top of the pieces there are little chess pieces that were mounted on top of the building. Oh, that's clever. So the, he wanted to make a real Oh, statement. there are. So there's a rook, there's a bishop, yeah. there's a, oh, clever. So he wanted to make sure that if you're a parent and you're bringing your kid in, you got a little preview, once again, that this is a scary ride and you may want to reconsider. I think another really important thing, and it's something that you're going to start seeing a lot more in the Magic Kingdom, and it's something that was really invented over at the Animal Kingdom, is look at the ground. Oh, so we're out in, front of, uh, out in front of Haunted Mansion right now. Looking down at the ground, it's, uh, it's definitely concrete, but it's got that mix of pebble in it that we saw over in Liberty Square, Pebbles the rocks. early part, yeah, and then we've got uh, horseshoe marks and right. wagon marks, it looks like. Horseshoe marks, mat wagon marks, you can see that there must have been something, whether it's a building or a well or something that had been removed, so there's bits of stone in a circle, and, and unlike, the Magic Kingdom is still kind of old-fashioned that most of the stuff is like concrete blocks, you know, mm-hmm. basically big concrete or slurry. What they've started to do, and this was something really created at Animal Kingdom, was to start to use the ground to tell the story as well. And to have it start to do things and tell you that you where you're at the time and the period. And you see that quite a bit through the park. My guess is that over time, they're going to start to do this everywhere within the Magic Kingdom. As they, as they need to refurbish right, it. Right. And that. it's beautiful. I, I think, I, you know, actually, it looks really good here, if you ask it, me. It does, actually. It's a nice touch. And the thing that I like about that they do, that they do here at the Magic Kingdom is it's still relatively level. Concrete, because you're you're going to be on your feet a lot. You're going to be walking a lot in the Magic Kingdom. In the Animal Kingdom, it's it's actually so uneven that if you're there for a couple of days, um, you you could it could start to hurt your knees. At least my knees, anyway. And I could be old. Now we're uh, we're walking under the uh, the the 
Um, I guess this is not a bridge. I, what I would call this it's a tunnel. I, what I would call this, for the purposes of our discussion, we're going through yet another cross dissolve. We're going through another. We're at one piece of the film, and we're just about to cross over to another film. So what we're doing is we're leaving the you know the 1600s, late seven, the 1700s of the Hudson Valley and Cape Cod, the beginning of colonial America. Right. We're going to go underneath and transition. There's one type of music on one side of the building, one side type of music on the other side. There's, there's actually even different columns on one side of the building versus another. So in the same tunnel, right. you've got uh, sort of Doric columns um, for for the Hudson Valley area, and then you've got stone uh, octagonal uh, columns. So if you, if you think about it in a time travel sense, we're just leaving what would be Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where the original pilgrims had all landed, all that area. Well, that's like the archi- 1600s. Right, okay. and that's all the architecture that you see in, on the Liberty Square side. When we enter on the other side, we're going to be going into London of about the same period with Peter Pan and all that stuff. So there is another kind of subtle time transition that's effective, and that's where they all came from. So. That's great. Well, this is a good place to, uh, to end this particular uh, episode. We'll, uh, we'll pick up with uh, Fantasyland next. For Sam Genoway, author of Walt and the Promise of Progress City, I'm Len Testa. Thanks for listening. See you guys.